Um, I haven't any main notices to give apart from um, we're going to be starting an online alpha course coming up in um, the next few weeks. Uh, Mark's going to be running that. If you need any more details, then please go to our website or, or look on social media. You'll find all the details there. Um, so looking forward to, um, to, to seeing, seeing people joining onto that. Um, so let's, let's just start with a, with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are an amazing God, that you can meet with us over all the technology that we have. Um, and Lord, we thank you that we can gather as church together from all different corners of this country. And we just ask now that you would just bless us as we, as we worship together, as we hear from your word, as we, as we just are church together in this place right now. And so bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's continue with some, some worship. We're going to have, a, have three songs this morning before we have our children's talk. Um, and we're going to start off with Behold the Lord Upon His Throne. Are we all muted, guys? Because I can still hear some background. Okay, let's carry on. Lord God Almighty, 
your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So who God is.
Amen. It's great to just declare the praises of who God is, isn't it, this morning? Um, we have a wonderful God and a wonderful Saviour, and we believe that he can do more than we could ask or think. What an amazing God we serve this morning. So we're now going to have our reading for today, which is taken from Exodus chapter 12, and it's going to be read by Pauline. And it's, it's chapter 12, verses 1 to 13, and 29 to 32, and it's the Passover. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old males without defect. You may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me. Thank you for that. So now we've got um, an all-age talk by Mark. It's, it's been pre-recorded by him so let's enjoy what's been done there. The story of the Passover and the Exodus. The first Passover happened a long time ago in a faraway country called Egypt. A mean and powerful king called Pharaoh ruled Egypt. Worried that the Jewish people would one day fight against him, Pharaoh decided that these people must become his slaves. As slaves, 
the Jewish people worked very hard every day from morning until night. They hammered, dug and carried heavy bricks. They built palaces, cities and pyramids and worked without rest. The Jewish people hated being slaves. They cried out and asked God for help. God chose a man named Moses to lead the Jewish people. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, God is not happy with the way that you are treating the Jewish people. He wants you to let the Jews go, to leave Egypt and to go into the desert where they will be free. But Pharaoh stamped his foot and shouted, No, I will never let the Jewish people go. Moses warned, If you do not listen to God, many terrible things called plagues will come to your land. But Pharaoh would not listen, and the plagues arrived. But only on the Egyptians. First, all the water turned to blood. The fish died in the rivers. There was nothing to drink. Next, frogs all across the land. The gnats covered Egypt. After that, flies, even in Pharaoh's palace. And then all the livestock died. After that, the Egyptians suffered boils all over their bodies from head to foot. Balls of hail and lightning fell from the sky. But still, Pharaoh would not listen and would not let God's people go. So God sent bugs called locusts. The locusts set up all the Egyptian food. After that, darkness covered the land for three days. Each time a new plague began, Pharaoh would cry out, Moses, Moses, I will let the Jewish people go. Just stop this horrible plague. Yet no sooner would God take away the plague than Pharaoh would shout, no, no, I've changed my mind. The Jews must stay. They're my slaves. So God sent more plagues. Finally, the tenth plague arrived. The death of the firstborn son of everyone in Egypt. A plague in which Pharaoh's own son would die. But before the plague, God told the Israelites to make a sacrifice to him of a lamb or a kid and then sprinkle its blood on the doors of their houses. Because then, when death came to the firstborn in each household, it would pass over the houses of the Israelites and they would be saved. They were told to have a special meal to celebrate this day and repeat it each year to commemorate and remember what the Lord had done for them. This became known as the Passover meal. So that night the plague came and all the firstborn sons died. The next morning Pharaoh woke to find his own son dead. He ordered the Jews to leave Egypt immediately. Fearful, 
that Pharaoh might again change his mind. The Jewish people packed quickly. They had no time to prepare food for the journey and no time to allow their dough to rise into puffy bread. They only had enough time to make a flat, cracker-like bread called a matzah. They hastily tied the matzahs to their backs and they ran from their homes into the desert and to freedom. And this is the story of the Passover and of the Exodus. Thank you. Now going to hand over to Martin for some prayers. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that <clears throat> because you sent your own son Jesus to die, that you have passed over our sin, that the judgment that came uh, upon the Egyptians at the time of the plagues has now fallen on Jesus. All the evil, all the rebellion, all the sin, all the injustice and oppression of the world has been cast upon Jesus, who died in our place as our substitute on the cross. And because, Jesus, you did that, the Lord passes over us. We are not judged for our sin, but Jesus has taken the punishment. And we thank you this morning that because Jesus has borne the wrath of the Father, that we are free, we are forgiven, that we are set free from judgment through faith. But Father, we also thank you that through these plagues, you demonstrated to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians, and to the whole world, that you are sovereign and Lord over the whole creation. But Lord, all, all the forces of nature are in your hands. Lord, you are sovereign. You are the center of the, of the world, for you created it. We are not in control, but we thank you that you are, Father, and that even the forces of nature are not chaotic to you, but are in your hands. And so, Father, we confidently come upon you, uh, come to you at this time, and we ask, Father God, in your sovereignty, that you would look in your mercy upon the suffering that covers the earth at this time. Where a force called COVID-19 is dominating governments, derailing economies and destroying peace. An ever-present challenge, bringing pain and devastation upon your creation. Yet we declare the name of Jesus is above all names, in heaven and on earth. We believe, as your holy scriptures have taught us, that every person, every problem, every pestilence and power must bow before the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask that COVID-19 be halted and eradicated. Lord Jesus, you created the world and everything in it, and you uphold it by your word. You healed the sick, you walked on water, you fed thousands, you raise the dead. And you said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so in the name of Jesus, we boldly ask for our families, churches, cities and nations to be protected from the effects of COVID-19. 
We know the name of Jesus has great power when we speak it, for you are our Saviour and our Lord. We know that even now you are at the right hand of our Father, interceding for us as they battle COVID-19. Lord Jesus, we are confident in the power of your name, so we ask you to give scientists, researchers and medical personnel the supernatural strength and wisdom needed in their battle against COVID-19. We ask for healing and restoration in the lives of all those affected by this terrible disease. We ask all these things in the name that is above every name, the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Martin. So Tony's going to come and bring the word to us today, um, and I'm just going to pray for him as we as we uh, come to hear God's word. Father God, we thank you that your your word is relevant today, even as we're looking back on things um, of uh, in Jewish history where um, the Passover happened. Lord, we thank you that um, we still have uh, confidence that your word is true. We thank you, Lord, that you were the, the ultimate Passover lamb um, when you came and you died for each one of us. So, Lord, as we come to hear your word now, we just pray for Tony that you would just bless him. Lord, just empower him, Lord, by your Holy Spirit as he speaks to us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you to uh, for you for uh, picking the songs that uh, lead us to the throne room. For... Uh, Pauline, as she gave us the reading, and Mark for taking us through the story from where we were last week, um, looking at uh, the burning bush and the call of Moses to go to Pharaoh. Uh, we now reach uh, chapter 12, and uh, this one's uh, entitled Experiencing God's Deliverance. Now, uh, I don't know about you when uh, you were working or where, you, where you're still working, um, but certainly in my last 10 years of my working life, the only thing that seemed to be constant was change. Every few years, a new way of working would come out, um, change of job descriptions, change of job titles, all sorts of things were, were happening. Um, and everything had to change to fit into this new scheme. Now, it came a constant round of applying for my own job, uh, which had a number of uh, slight changes to it. But most of the time, the reasons for the change was about reducing numbers, reducing cost, and trying to make more money. So there were times when I felt the change was a good one, uh, but also times when I did not understand exactly what was happening. In my life at BA, it happened not so much, but in uh, my last year, six years at TAG, uh, I had so many different job titles it was just amazing, doing the same job, but with a different title. Uh, in the six years I was with TAG, I started off as commercial manager. I then got changed to project manager, to continuing airworthiness manager, and then back to commercial manager. Most of the jobs were involving sales and customer service. Um, and most of it was about trying to make more money for the company. And the more it changed, the more losses they made. Uh, just incredible. But it reminded me of a, a quote from Albert Einstein. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. Now, I don't know whether that's your experience, uh, but sometimes that was my experience of change for change's sake, 
without a real knowledge of what was going to happen or buying into that agreement. So it felt like that sometimes that I could relate to what Albert Einstein was saying um, because the results didn't change. But when I was with BA, some of the changes were good and I could see the reason for the change and understand it. And it did make a difference to the results, uh, even though some of the times I wasn't quite 100% behind it, but I could understand what BA was trying to do. Now, with any successful change, those who believe in it and make it work are the ones who will prosper when it happens. Now, if you've applied for your own job and didn't get it and you're out the company, you wouldn't prosper. But those that keep their own job do prosper. But often the company did prosper and BA went through a lot of changes in my years, but became a very successful company. And this is essentially the message that Moses and Aaron delivered to the Israelites in Exodus 12. For 400 years, God's covenant people had suffered as slaves in Egypt. And now was the time for God to change things. And he was going to change them for the benefit of his people. God was going to intervene and set his people free and guide them to a new life in the land he had promised to give them. God called the Israelites through Moses and Aaron to believe in his promise and to get ready for the time that he would deliver them from slavery. This was to be his great change for his people and their great change movement to everyone's benefit. The coming deliverance from Egypt was such a significant act that God told the children of Israel to remake their calendars. The new year would now start and the month of their deliverance from Egypt would be its beginning. It was a dramatic way of saying that everything was going to change for the better and a new start begins. God gave the Israelites strict instructions on how to prepare for the Passover. And we read those uh, through Pauline in chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. They had to follow it to signify their readiness for their deliverance from the hands of the Egyptian and also that for their obedience to God, that they were going to believe in his word and his promise and do exactly what he said. So the first instruction was on the 10th day to take a male lamb or a kid, a year old, as perfect as it could be, one without blemish. And I'm sure because God's requirement is to have the perfect sacrifice that he made sure that the right number of perfect lambs or perfect kids were available to the children of Israel. And then they were to bring it into the family for four days before it's being sacrificed. In this way, the lamb became part of the family. By the time it was sacrificed on the 14th day, it was both loved and would be mourned by the family who took care of it. God wanted the sacrifice to be something that was precious for each family member. The second instruction was regarding the eating and preparation of the sacrifice. Before the Passover lamb could be eaten, its blood had to be applied to the doorway of the home, to the top and on each side performing a protective barrier around the doorway and the house. 
This mark would protect God's people from the angel of death, who God was about to send in judgment throughout the land of Egypt. The blood of the lamb was the only part of the sacrifice that was presented to God. The rest was to be eaten by each family on that day or burnt and destroyed. None of it was to be kept for a later meal. The sacrifice had to be roasted on an open fire and eaten with bitter herbs and bread without yeast. No other way of cooking the sacrifice or eating it would be acceptable to God. The other significant thing about the sacrifice is that it had to be roasted whole with nothing taken away. Once prepared comes the instruction about being dressed for dinner. With a belt on your waist and a cloak tucked into it, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and then you are to eat it quickly. I guess for a lot of us, that's not the normal way to eat a meal, to be dressed in outdoor clothing and ready to eat and then to eat it quickly. I don't know about you, but normally I like to savour some of the uh, food that we eat. Uh, not like my son, he can devour a dinner in about two minutes uh, while the rest of us uh, catch up with him and savour it. But uh, they had to eat it quickly. They had to be ready uh, in their outdoor clothes because this is the Lord's Passover and they needed to follow his instructions carefully. It was an act of faith on their behalf, but an act of faith that had a confidence in God that he knows what he's doing. The outdoor clothes indicate their readiness to travel and to walk in the deliverance and freedom that God was going to provide for them. Doing this would show that the people were prepared to follow the Lord's guidance whenever and wherever it took them. With all the instructions followed, then that night God would pass over Egypt and strike down the firstborn of people and animals. Where he saw the sign of the blood, he would pass by and they would be safe. During that fateful night, Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was a loud wailing in Egypt. But there was not a house without someone dead. The last few words of verse 30, there was not a house without someone dead, suggests that even if some of the Egyptians who may have heard what Moses and Aaron was telling the people to do, and then perhaps seeing what the Israelites were doing with the animals that they killed and putting the blood around the doorway, they didn't have the faith to believe and do the same thing. So faith was an essential part to the keeping of the Passover. Hebrews 11 verse 28 says, By faith he, which is Moses, kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not, not touch the firstborn of Israel. The Passover was the Lord's, in the sense that he provided it, as a rescue plan to deliver Israel from the plagues of the firstborn. The Passover is an institution to remember God's rescue and deliverance of evil throughout all generations. The Passover was a powerful drama 
acted out the perfect sacrifice and rescue Jesus would later provide to anyone who accepted him as Lord and Saviour. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples and demonstrated that he had come to be the sinless sacrifice slain for the sins of all the people. He shed, his shed blood would provide a barrier, a shield of forgiveness of sin and a new start for all believers in him. Another big change from the old covenant to the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Jesus would not only sacrifice his own life for his friends, those who believe in him, but also through his resurrection to lead his people into the promised land and eternity with him. The Passover in Exodus 12 was to become Jesus many centuries later. He was born into a family being then be, before being crucified. He was precious to Joseph and Mary and the rest of the family. He was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, without sin or blemish. The only one that could be sacrificed for the atonement of sin. And he was sacrificed at the time of Passover. On the cross, his body was whole and not broken. They normally broke the legs of those being crucified so that they would die quickly by not being able to breathe. They did not do this to Jesus. He remained whole and unbroken. But it was only by the shedding of his blood that we can be protected from the plague of sin and death. He has rescued us from being slaves to sin and he has set us free. We as Christians continue to show our readiness for Christ's glorious return when we participate in the Lord's Supper. Not only remembering the sacrifice he made, but looking forward to sharing the wedding banquet with him in glory. Let's pray. Let's take a few minutes just to reflect on what God has done in rescuing us. Jesus, we thank you that you are the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God. We thank you that because of your willingness to leave your Father behind and to walk this earth, and to die the cruel death, that we have been set free. We've been set free from sin and death. And we can look forward to spending eternity with you, our precious Lord Jesus. Lord, we know that there are many uh, in our family and our friends who don't know you as Lord and Saviour, who don't know that freedom that you can give. And so, Lord, we would ask that as we have looked at this this morning, it would just spur us on to share the good news of Jesus Christ, 
and all that he's done for us, that they too might enjoy an eternity with him, that they too might enjoy the wedding feast, the banquet that you prepare for each one of us. We thank you for your word this morning, and may it touch our hearts and our lives, that we might not only be listeners of the word, but doers too, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. In his name and for his glory, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Steve. So let's just finish off with a, a couple of songs that uh, I've chosen that really just um, match what Tony's been speaking about this morning. Um, let's just uh, worship our God. We've got two songs. We've got There Is A Hope That Burns Within My Heart and When I Stand Before Your Throne. One day, all of us are going to stand before the throne room of God. We're going to worship him. We're going to give him praise and thanksgiving. Um, so let's just, let's just worship our God together. Man.
And now I'd like to use a, a blessing that was on uh, the 24-7 prayer, Let's Heal 365, this morning. May this day bring Sabbath rest to my heart and to my home. May God's image in me be restored and my imagination in God be restored. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May I know grace to embrace my own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed me and his spirit lead me into the week and into the life to come. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. May you be blessed as you go out into this week. And may you find God in everything that you do. Thank you.